You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theupc.org. Encouragement is the secret sauce of discipleship. Let's break that down a little bit. Now, discipleship is literally following Jesus. Uh, Paul writes in one of his letters, Paul describes it as walk in a way worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And, and Jesus, as usual, is just a little simpler than Paul and says, follow me. And then secret sauce. What do I mean by that? Secret sauce is literally the sauce that Jack in the Box started putting on their hamburgers in the 1980s. But since then, it's become a term for the essential ingredient for success. So sure, a hamburger isn't a burger without meat or a bun, but the secret sauce, that's the key ingredient. And I'm going to take five minutes at the beginning of this sermon to try to convince you that encouragement is the secret sauce of discipleship. That encouragement is the essential ingredient that moves us from hearing Jesus call to follow me to living into Jesus' call to follow me. Oh, look, Gracie May is back. And why do I think this? Well, first of all, when I say encouragement, I'm describing a much deeper and broader reality than, than the attaboys or the, you got this. Now, words of encouragement are included, but words of encouragement are often and can be given from the sidelines. But encouragement in Scripture literally means to come alongside someone else. And there, it, it is such a vast and beautiful concept in the New Testament, encouragement is. It, all, it grows from this one Greek word, which I'm not going to go into because you don't need to know the Greek word, but what you need to know is that there's all sorts of words you will run into in the New Testament. Words like exhort, comfort, console, urge, appeal, advocate, encourage, strengthen, implore, all of these words that we run into in English, we need that vast range of words to describe what the New Testament means by encouragement. They all come from the same word. That's the range of activities that belong to this secret sauce for discipleship. Now, Jesus' first disciples recognized they would need this to follow Jesus. Do you remember the conversation in John's Gospel? When Jesus said he was leaving, and the disciples' penny drops, how do we follow you if you're leaving? Do you remember what Jesus told them? I'm sending who? An encourager. Literally a paraclete, the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we translate that an advocate, a comforter. Jesus recognized we need someone who will stand in with this encouragement alongside of us as we seek to follow Jesus. And Jesus continues to act as our encourager. The Holy Spirit isn't the only one who gets in this game. In 1 John, in 1 John, Jesus is described as our advocate before the follow, Father. Why? Because what so often trips us up in following Jesus, isn't it our sin? And John writes in 1 John, you know, don't sin. But when you do, if you do, know this. You have an encourager. You have an advocate before God the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus is an advocate for us. And this encouragement is so important for keeping us going in discipleship that the entire triune God gets in on it. 
Because over and over again, we read in the New Testament letters about the God of all consolation, the God of steadfastness and encouragement. God the Father who gives, who through grace gives us eternal comfort and good hope to comfort our hearts and strengthen us. Do you hear all those encouragement words? There's the secret sauce. That's encouragement. Because this word family, these encouragement words, show up most often in the New Testament writing when there is difficulty, when there is grief, when there is injustice or illness or suffering, all things that threaten to hinder, to stop us in our tracks with discipleship. That's when God comes alongside to console. Encouragement is that essential ingredient that moves us from hearing or knowing Jesus' call to living into the fulfillment of Jesus' call, the joy and freedom of God's call in Jesus Christ in our lives. And relationships are God's primary delivery mechanism for encouragement. Some of us may think we can get encouragement, you know, I'll, buy, I'll just read the Bible, Jesus and me. I'm just going to listen to sermons on, on podcasts. I'm just going to do... No, that's not enough. It will not get you through to the end. Relationships are God's primary delivery mechanism for encouragement. And this is our very practical topic today. How to be encouragers in our relationships to one another. Encouragement is delivered through relationships. Last night, um, we went to see the movie Selma. Um, and in one scene, uh, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King is in prison. He's in a jail cell with some of his other civil rights activists, and he's discouraged. He's losing heart, knowing that his enemies will try to destroy him. When the brother who is next to him in the jail cell quotes Matthew 6:26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now, Dr. King could have read that all by himself in a jail cell in the Bible. But when a brother who is in the cell next to you speaks those words of consolation to you, that's encouragement. That is the secret sauce that delivers comfort and strength to continue walking in the call that Jesus has on your life. And this is what we're here to learn this morning. Not how to receive encouragement. I know that, that there are many people who have not experienced that kind of encouragement in Christian community. And I am sorry. And I'm telling you, I want to encourage you that the way to start to experience that is to get into relationships where you are encouraging. It will come around. I'll show you at the end of the sermon. How do we deliver that kind of encouragement to our brothers and sisters along the road? Well, the person we're looking at today to learn from is an apostle called Barnabas. Many of you maybe haven't heard of Barnabas. But Barnabas in the New Testament is called the son of encouragement. And if you want to open now to Acts um, chapter 4... That's one of the verses we'll look at. And while you're looking for Acts chapter 4, let me continue on here. Oh, Andy, I forgot to bring a Bible up here with me. Would you please hand me a Bible? Thank you. Um, while Andy's bringing me a Bible, let me let you know that there's so much to be learned. Thank you, sister. There's so much to be learned from Barnabas. That's encouragement. Just keeps me going on this. There's so much to be learned from Barnabas, but I want to focus on three very practical things. And I'm going to tell you right now what they are. The first is comfort. 
to make comfort tangible. And that's how we participate in the God who comforts us. That's how we participate in God's ministry of encouragement. The second thing is to become a helper. To to tangibly and in practical ways come right alongside people. Don't yell from the sidelines. Get in the race with them. And that's how we participate in, in the Holy Spirit's ministry of encouragement. And the third is advocacy. Putting our own reputation on the line for the sake of someone else. And that's how we participate in Jesus' ministry of encouragement. So let's unpack those. If you'll turn to Acts chapter 4 in your Bibles. The first lesson we learned from Barnabas is to make comfort tangible. That we participate in God's ministry of comfort and consolation that strengthens the hearts of others so that they can walk in the fullness of the gospel. In Acts 4, chapter 32, we meet this man. He, his, his name is Joseph. He comes from the, um, from the island of, of Cyprus. And we're told that in the early days of the church in Jerusalem, the believers would sell off property and share a common purse so that the apostles and later the deacons could distribute this to people who were in need. Um, and the one person who did this was a Levite from Cyprus named Barnabas. And the apostles called him, I mean, named Joseph, excuse me. And from then on, the apostles called him the son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, and he gave the money to the apostles. And this is the first lesson of encouragement. This is like encouragement 101. If you don't know any place else to start, the secret sauce that moves people from the margins of simply hearing about the good news to the comfort of experiencing what Jesus called the gospel, the good news for the poor, is to, is to give, is generosity. See, see, Barnabas enjoyed material backup in this field. This was a comfort zone thing. This wasn't his main source of income. He's a Levite, he's from Cyprus, but for some reason he had a family field around Jerusalem. He cashed in on that comfort to comfort those in need. And this is a ministry of encouragement that, frankly, any of us here, almost any of us here can do. If you can afford a Starbucks coffee, you have margin to cash in on some comfort, to comfort those in need. That, that's basic encouragement 101. But selling a field alone is not why Barnabas was called the son of encouragement. There's more. And we're going to find out more in the rest of Acts. I don't know if any of you saw that the um, Gates Foundation sent out a letter this, this week talking about their bet over the next 15 years. The Gates Foundation here in Seattle um, is a, a nonprofit that uh, Bill and Melinda Gates began to do global health around the world and other initiatives. But one line in their letter is what caught my attention for encouragement, and they said this, we're putting our credibility, time, and money behind this bet and asking others to join us because we think there's never been a better time to accelerate progress and have a big impact around the world. Now, whatever your views on the Gates Foundation, that line is what caught my attention. We're putting our credibility, time, and money behind this bet. They're not just selling a field. But like Barnabas, they know that money alone is not enough for the secret sauce of encouragement. Encouragement is when you put your credibility and your time behind people, which is what Barnabas does and leads us to lesson number two. What if you turn to Acts 11? You'll notice that I'm going to be summarizing these stories, and I hope that you will go back and read about Barnabas in Acts this week. But in Acts 11, go all the way to verse uh, 22. 
And let me explain what's happened. There was a persecution in the early church, and a number of the disciples in Jerusalem were scattered, and a group of them who were Greek-speaking, from the, some of them from the island of Cyprus, went 300 miles north of Jerusalem to a city called Antioch. And something, a remarkable thing happened at Antioch. Gentiles began to convert to follow Jesus, the Messiah and Lord. And if you look at Acts 11.22, we're told that the Jerusalem church leaders caught wind of these remarkable events in Antioch and decided to send Barnabas, which is a very smart move because Barnabas is also from Cyprus. And what does he do? Look at, uh, look at 23. We read that he recognizes God's grace, rejoices, and encourages them. There's your encouragement word. He brings the secret sauce to Antioch. He exhorts them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast devotion. There's that encouragement. It's that something added that helps disciples continue to follow Jesus with steadfast devotion. And the church in Antioch, it just exploded. Barnabas, we're told here in verse 24, is a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. He knew he needed help. So he goes looking for this conservative Jewish convert whose name is Saul, who used to persecute Christians, and now Saul is preaching the gospel in Tarsus. For over a year, we're told, Barnabas and Saul worked side by side in Antioch. And one of the best lines in the entire book of Acts is right here in verse 26. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. There's the fruit of encouragement. Did you know that Antioch became Paul's sending church? Antioch became the hub of the Gentile mission to the world. And do you remember that when Jesus called Paul, Jesus said to Paul, here's why I'm calling you. You will be my instrument to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And you know what happened? Barnabas went and found Paul, brought him to Antioch, and from Antioch, Paul took the message of the gospel out to the Gentiles. It was Barnabas the encourager who moved Paul from Jesus' call into the living out of that call among the Gentile people from his home church. He went looking for Saul and brought him to Antioch to apply those gifts in that calling. Barnabas became a helper. And as you know, you know, we know Paul. Not many of us know Barnabas. He took the back seat. But this is lesson number two. Become a helper. Look for the gifts and calling that Jesus has given to other people. And apply your time, your credibility to encouraging them in practical ways. This past Friday, we held a memorial service here for Charlotte Graham. Now, in order for me to follow Jesus' calling in my life as a preacher and a teacher, uh, one step of that was to enter the ordination process in the Presbyterian Church. And as part of that process, we have what's called here at University Presbyterian Church, we have what's called a seminary care team. It's a very dedicated group of UPC members who come alongside people like me who are discerning Jesus' call on their life. And Charlotte's job on that committee, to me, was encouragement. Charlotte knew my story. Charlotte listened for my gifts. Charlotte was in there with me every step of this process. She invested her credibility and her time in moving me along to live fully into the call of Jesus Christ. 
And trust me, the ordination process in the PCUSA never, ever goes smoothly. <laughs> so this is an essential ministry that we have as a congregation. This is an essential ministry to, to learn the stories of, of men and women who are recognizing their gifts and then applying this, this secret sauce of encouragement as they move into their call. And I want to take a side note to let you know, we have a small but very dedicated team right now that works with these seminarians, Peg and Don and Atsuko and, and Sue and Kelly and Brian. But we need some more people. Church our size. We can have some more people who come alongside the, these young men and women who are discerning their call to ministry. And so please pray about that. Please pray about that and come and talk to me uh, and join this team with us. And then all of us to pray for these seminarians and not just these seminarians, but all of the students that we have from the University of Washington and other universities who are beginning out in their, in their, in their discipleship and, 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 and where you can come alongside someone and be a helper as they discern their call. Start paying attention in your life. Your work, your neighborhood, your school, you'll begin to notice ways that your secret sauce of encouragement is, is called for as you come alongside others. And what you'll learn then is what the secret ingredient is in the secret sauce. And this is the last thing we learned from Artemis. The secret ingredient in the secret sauce is advocacy. This is the third, and I believe, most valuable lesson from Barnabas. We leverage our own comfort, our own credibility, for the practical, tangible advancement of others in following Jesus. Let me tell you a story I heard that I just love. Because I want to illustrate for you that this ministry of encouragement is not just for people who are going into full-time Christian ministry. Um, uh, I heard about, you know, a friend who's an uncle, let's call him Dave. So this uncle Dave has a nephew. And this nephew is uh, incredibly bright, but not really into the school thing. This nephew uh, left school, got his GED, and entered the workforce at about 17. And he was going, you know, he's moving from one job to another, and his uncle Dave works in general uh, management of construction and things, and, and, and had a friend, knew somebody, one of his business partners, who had a business that does very high-tech installations in these places that this Uncle Dave works on. So Uncle Dave became an advocate for this 20-year-old kid and got him a job installing these very high-tech systems. Well, it turns out that this kid is just so good at this. I mean, it worked out brilliantly. He excelled at this. That the company started sending him on these trainings, like all over the country. And he's on these trainings with people who are much older. The company knew how old he was. But these guys he's working with are way older than him. And, and he was told, you know, just be discreet about the fact that you're only 20. Because we don't usually give these jobs to someone who's only 20. Uh, he used to have to, the guys would invite him out for a beer or a drink after these training sessions, and I'm really tired, I'm just going to bed. Um, but when it finally came out, because they, they went to have dinner in a, in a casino, and the bouncers had to accompany him to the restaurant because he wasn't 21, uh, it didn't matter. Because by then, his own gifts, his own talents, his own capacity for this had shone through. Everybody trusted him. But nobody would have trusted this 20-year-old kid with his GED at the beginning of that job. It was his uncle's credibility that vouched for him, that was an advocate for him. 
And we're told that in the family of God, this is what we do for one another. This is the secret ingredient in the secret sauce of encouragement, to put our credibility on the line for someone else, to risk our own reputation, our own privilege, or our own access to advocate for someone else. This is what Paul did for, for um, this is what Barnabas did for Paul. Here's the last thing to look at, Acts 9. If you turn back to Acts 9, verse 26, you got it there? Here's a story you're going to find is that, you know, Saul didn't start out in Tarsus, and Antioch wasn't the first time that Saul and Barnabas had met each other. Saul, as you remember, was persecuting Christians. He was converted by Jesus. On, he was called by Jesus on the road to Damascus. When he came back to Jerusalem to try to meet the disciples, they wanted nothing to do with him. And you'll see, Acts 26, here's exactly why. They were afraid of him, and they did not trust that he was a disciple until Barnabas steps in. Barnabas brings Saul to the apostles and describes for the apostles Saul's calling and Saul's boldness in announcing the name of Jesus. Do you see the dynamic here? Barnabas had access. Barnabas had access because of his own reputation, his own credibility, and he put that on the line for Saul to get Saul in so that Saul would have the relationships he needed with the Jerusalem leadership to continue on the way in his calling that Jesus had on him as apostle to the Gentiles. And advocacy requires the willingness to risk our own access and reputation in order to advance a brother or a sister in following Jesus' call in their lives. Now, sometimes, unlike Saul, who earned his fearful reputation, sometimes people need an advocate through no fault of their own. They're simply the wrong gender, or they are the wrong race, or the wrong nationality, or their English isn't as uh, English as their second language or they're the wrong economic class, and they hit a barrier. And we are seeing the painful results of fear and mistrust based in in racism and, and bigotry in our social fabric. And I'm so convicted that if every Christian in Seattle began to look for ways, actively seek out ways, that we use our own access, every one of us has access and power someplace, use our own access to make a way for someone else to follow Jesus' call on their life, that the healing in those interactions would roll down. Let me tell you another quick story about Cindy, who had a daughter who's a softball on a volleyball, a sophomore on a volleyball team in the Seattle area. Cindy goes to a different church. And uh, there was an African-American girl who was on this volleyball team. And she was a senior. She had been accepted into a local Christian university that she was so excited to go to, but the financial aid package did not come in uh, in a way that she needed to, to be able to enter this university. Well, Cindy had access. Cindy happened to know, through friends of her parents, one of the admissions officers at this university. And she phoned him up. She said, I don't know if you can do anything, but let me tell you about this young woman and what an asset she would be to your university. And if you have any way to find any more money for her, you won't regret it. And the good news story is that young woman is now at that university since this fall. She's excelling because Cindy risked using her access. It's the secret ingredient in the secret sauce of encouragement. And this is one way that the promise of the gospel becomes the experience of the gospel for brothers and sisters. So ask yourself, what is your field? What can you give out of your comfort to tangibly and in practical ways comfort someone else? 
And who is your Saul? Who are you investing in? Who are you seeking out? Who are you helping to live into God's call in their life? Not just asking them, well, what do you feel in your heart? But taking the risk to say, who do you feel Jesus is calling you to be? Where do you feel God is calling you to go? Let's pray and walk in that direction. And what will you risk? Because you and I were not given comfort and security and reputation and access for our own encouragement. We are given comfort and security and reputation and access to encourage others. And this is the secret sauce of the gospel. And I told you that it comes back around, so let me just finish with a quick story about how it comes back around. Because you must bear in mind that Saul was a failure. Don't ever forget that. Saul earned his bad reputation. Barnabas was advocating for a failure. So when you pray for someone to encourage, don't you dare just look for the obvious candidates. Look for the failures, the screw-ups, the sick who need a doctor, the sinners who need an advocate in Jesus, because that's what Jesus has done for us. I have a friend named Mike Neely who works um, in Snohomish County with uh, Terra Nueva. It's a ministry to migrant populations. So the work of overcoming fear and mistrust is endless. And then to add another layer, Mike is working with men who, through um, addiction or prison sentences, uh, have, have lost their way. And uh, he sent a letter recently telling about one of these stories of one of these men. And I just want to read it to you to close. It's a story about a young man named Omi. Omi and I were talking the other day, and I want to give you an update on how he's doing. I've been amazed watching the restoration God is doing in him and all the doors God has opened for him with housing and school. Omi received two different scholarship grants for school recently. Do you hear that? Tangible comfort. Two recent scholarship grants for school. He has been enrolled at Bellingham Technical College and is studying computer software support. He's 42 credits into a 106-credit program. Very proud to report he has A's in his first six classes. And after an initial denial due to his criminal record, he has been approved for open housing voucher for subsidized housing. And here's what I want you to hear. Along with leaders from Narcotics Anonymous, we submitted letters of support, advocacy, telling of all Omi is doing, and that decision was overturned. Mike goes on to talk about this young man. This is the encouragement of living a life of encouragement. Your own strength of heart is restored as you witness the miraculous thing that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that God the Father of all comfort, that the Holy Spirit, the Comforter does in the lives of our brothers and sisters as we follow Jesus' call together. Amen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org audio Email audio at upc.org or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.